Samara 19, we're going to be considering verses 9 through 16, as we saw last week, Psalm 119 is an acrostic, which means that the first line of each eight verses starts with the same Hebrew letter uh, with 22 different stanzas accounting for the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, technically, today's alphabet has 23 letters, but uh, one of them is only distinguished by moving a dot from one side of the letter to the other side of the letter. So t- 22 account, uh, is okay as well. This morning we look at the Aleph, which would be the, the A portion, the, the first letter of the um, Hebrew alphabet. And every line, every verse begins with a word that begins with that particular letter. These first eight verses, these, these next eight verses that we're considering today, every one of these verses start with the letter Beth. Uh, I think it, most of your Bibles, you do have, you have the, the word Beth, which sound, it looks like Beth, uh, but the letter is Beth or Beit, depends on how you point it. And uh, every, every verb, every verse, every line starts with that, a word with that letter. Uh, this, this is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In my mind, if you have the symbol, it, it, for me, it always reminds me of a hangman. You know, and you play hangman with the letters on the device of hangman backwards. Anyway, if it doesn't do anything to you, then forget about it. Uh, <clears throat> it's it's the how it, when you spell out that's the Hebrew word for house. Remember Bethlehem it was the house of bread. Bethany can mean two things, can mean the house of afflictions, or the house of figs, uh, that's Bethany. And uh, so these verses all start with uh, this letter, and uh, it's interesting, uh, this correlation doesn't exist necessarily in every single stanza, but this one, you have every verse to start with the letter Beth, which means house, and it is a set of eight verses that have to do with making our heart the home or the house of God's word. So it goes well with the, the letter there. So let us read verses 9 through 16. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the, the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I'll meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I'll delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. In, in this stanza, the psalmist extols the value of beginning treasuring God's word when young, early in life. Start treasuring God's word early in life. As a young man or as a young person, a young woman, as early as possible, as verse 9 says. Now this passage demands the attention of every young man and every young woman, every young person, every parent, every really person who works with children in the church, in life, every young Christian who would like to keep his way pure, and by extension, 
every Christian who desires not to sin against God. Though, though the passage is primarily directed to young people, it applies to every one of us as we want to live holy lives toward, uh, to the Lord. One commentator speaks of uh, this stanza as the school of purity in which we all need to enroll. Now, if you're not familiar with the word stanza, it just means a verse, uh, like in a hymn. Uh, and here, a stanza would have eight biblical verses. So that's what a stanza is. And so this is <coughs> the school of purity in which we all need to enroll. He says, the curriculum is real life. God is the gracious teacher. The psalmist is the dependent student. The textbook is the sufficient word of God. And that's what we are studying here this afternoon. And he says, the question of the semester, or the question of this section, really is the, the question for all year, and it's found in verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way, or how shall a young man keep his way pure? That's the question that we're relating, uh, uh, trying to answer this afternoon. And the second half of verse 9 answers that question. By taking heed according to your word. But it's a general answer. And in verses 10 to 16, the psalmist grabs that answer by taking heed according to your word and blows it up with, and explains it better. So, verses 9 through 16 is actually the development of that answer in the second half of verse 9. So, the, the, the outline for this afternoon is only two points. See? doesn't have to be three points every time. Uh, the, the, the first point of our outline is the question in verse 9. And then the second point is the answer in verses nine, uh, 10 through 16. And the answer gives us seven ways to keep pure from sin by the word of God. So let's consider the question in verse 9. It asks, how can a young man cleanse his way? It is implied in the question that it is good and necessary for a young person to keep his way or her way pure. Do you see that there? That the fact that the psalmist is asking that question implies that's a good way that people live in holiness. It's a good thing that people live in holiness. So how can a young man, a young person, keep his way pure when the world is so impure, when his own eternal, internal sin is uh, sin nature is corrupted, and the world, the flesh, and the devil are intent on corrupting him further, how can a young person, how can any, can any person keep his ways pure, cleanse his ways? And this is a question that the world isn't going to ask or answer properly. It's not a question that you're going to find a good answer outside of the church, outside of the scriptures of the Lord. In fact, there seems to be an assumption that purity is a lost cause for the youth. And I think even as Christians, we behave that way. As somehow, it's normal for kids that grow up in the church to have a period of rebellion and then return to the Lord. We even talk about in terms of, oh, they have to go out and, and what's the expression? Sow their wild oats, as if that's something that we should just expect of everyone. But that's not the case. That doesn't have to be the way that uh, things happen. We are not Amish. In the Amish tradition, at I think it's age 18, they go and they do something by a German word. I can't remember what the word is. 
Ramchabashma. Exactly. And they go, and they're supposed to, to try out the world and see if they want to come back to the community after that. And that's not what the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to do. I want the young people here this afternoon to pay particular attention to this point. Most young people want their lives to count. And most Christian people want their lives to count for God. I think it's fair to say that uh, we're, not, we're not necessarily hypocrites. We're not, our young people are not double-minded or double-faced or speaking from both sides of their mouths. They want their lives to count and they want their lives to count for God. But at the same time, youth, as good as youth is, right, and we live in a society that celebrates youth, Everything is about the young. We try to put the elderly in places where we don't see them, and we go get Botox and plastic surgery, so we keep on looking young, and everything uh, is young. So in a in culture that uh, idolizes youth, my phone said that it was making a search for something. But anyway. uh, there's some things that are not so great about youth. And you say, Pastor... Uh, I don't know what that is because, you know, I get up in bed and every bone of my body hurts and I sneeze and then I have to go to the hospital because <laughs> everything just gets out of place and uh, 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 just, uh, I don't know what's bad about youth. And it's not, it's not bad, but it's true that youth is, is often impatient and undisciplined and young people are tempted to let the little things slide. Uh, we, you must not do that if you are God's young man or God's young woman. God can make your life count. But this will not happen unless you determine to live for Him in the little things. Now, remember what our Lord said? He who is faithful in what? The, the little things, the small things, will also be faithful with greater, bigger things as well. Uh, this section of Psalm 119 is telling us that the best possible way to live for God and establish and maintain a pure life is by starting young. Uh, and it's difficult for us to, to see that as we are, we are young. And when we older folks talk to you, it often sounds like, you know, oh, when I was your age, I went to school uphill both ways, barefooted in the snow. And that's not how we mean. That's how I went to school. Right? That lowers the saying over there. Um, <laughs> but that's not what we mean. But now I'm turned 49 this year. And even um, some people are telling, man, you don't have the memory you used to have. And that's true. You know, I don't have the memory I used to have. Uh, when I was younger, I could read a book and remember exactly where every word was on each page of that book. That's no longer uh, the case anymore. I thanked you all this morning, I guess, for celebrating Alex's birthday with us uh, on <laughs> Friday. We do not do that kind of party for birthdays. <laughs> it was his wedding. Uh, so you can see how things are. But when we are young, things are much easier. Remember, I did not grow up in the church, so I did not have the benefit of Sunday school, having people helping me learn the scriptures and memorize. And, and what, a, what a blessing, you younger ones who are here in Sunday school and have people in your life helping you to memorize these things, parents who care about the Word of God and want you to know these things. Uh, you're, the battle is half won just there with, uh, with, 
with your, the Word of God being given to you and explained to you, and you're appropriating the Word of God by memorizing it uh, in your heart. And verse 9 says that holiness of life comes by paying attention to the Word of God. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed. Now, that's an old way of saying paying attention. Uh, some, a thing that some of you young people are not currently doing at this very moment. But uh, uh, taking heed, paying attention to the Word of God. Why? Why should we pay attention? Remember what Hebrews 4 says about the Word of God? That the Word of God is this two-edged sword. The two-edged sword is the most powerful weapon they could think of, the sharpest weapon, and it, it, it penetrates into the person, divides the indivisible, open, uh, laying open the heart before God, and disclosing to you all that is, who, who you are, and who you are in Christ, and, and so on. So we pay attention to the Word of God, because the Word of God is powerful. So, how, shall, how can a young man... Cleanses way, verses 10 through 6, gives us seven ways in which we can cleanse our ways, seven ways in which we can grow in holiness through the Word of God. The first one is in verse 10, where the psalmist says that as we seek God wholeheartedly, as we seek the God of the Bible wholeheartedly, verse 10 says, with my whole heart I have sought you, oh let me not wander from your commandments. In verse 2, we saw this morning that the psalmist already said that the, that the truly happy or blessed ones are those who seek God with their whole heart. And if we want to grow in purity, that's what we're going to do. We're going to seek the God of the, the Word through the Word of God wholeheartedly. The psalmist doesn't want any part of his heart or life or thoughts to wander. So he prays in the second half of verse 10. Let me not wander from your commandments. Has your mind ever wandered, wandered as you read the Bible? No, never, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like uh, when, when I say, I'm standing over here in the morning service, and I say, let us bow our heads and pray together. That usually translates into people's mind as, let us close your eyes and plan the week. Let us close your eyes and think about the grocery list. I mean, that's often how I find myself thinking when I was sitting over there. And Pastor Lima would say, now let us join ourselves in our hearts in prayer and so on. And we tend to wonder. So uh, here the psalmist says, seek the, 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 the God of the Bible wholeheartedly, praying that your mind will not wander from his commandments. Where do, you, where, do you have your, where do you read your Bible? Think about it. You don't have to say it loud. Just think, where do you read your Bible? Where do you have your devotions? Do you have in a particular place every day? Or do you very... I read on the... We have a little bench on the front of our house, and I read there. And I, I love reading there. When it's raining too hard, I can't because I'll get wet. But most of the time, I read there. And it's a great place. But every once in a while, a squirrel goes by. <laughs> and I start watching the squirrel. <laughs> And I don't mean the thing that you write on, but a little furry animal uh, 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 goes by if there's any confusion. And, uh, and I get distracted, and I have to refocus. And often those distractions are in our minds, not right in our front yard. And we need to pray the Lord would help us not to wander from His commandments. So seek the Lord wholeheartedly. The God, the God of the Bible is one way to cleanse our ways. Another one is memorizing the word of God. Look at verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
the word translated hidden here in the original language was used for storing up valuable things like treasure, which you would keep in safe place so it won't be lost and so that it won't be taken away from you. So what the psalmist is saying here is that your word I have treasured in my heart. I've kept in my heart. The psalmist treasured up the word of God as the most valuable thing in his heart. It was there, though unseen. It constituted the secret power by which the, the, he was governed. It was permanently deposited there as the most valuable of his treasures. And that's what he means when he says, I've, hid, I've hidden in my heart, I've treasured in my heart. Much like what Jesus says, that where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If your treasure is the Word of God, the God of the Word will be where your heart is. Whatever fills your heart will come out of it. If your heart is filled with Scripture, as you bump into people, as life happens, as you get shaken up, what comes out is the Word of God. It's consistent with the Word of God. I read this week, uh, I like war books. Uh, not necessarily fiction, but history books. It's something that's funny that Teeny taught me to like, because it was war books. So World, world War I, World War II, Civil War, Vietnam War. I, I, you know, uh, I, like, I just like reading those things. When I have time, that's what I go to. And recently I read about a, a man by the name of Howard uh, Rutledge, have you ever heard that name before, Howard Rutledge? He was a POW during the Vietnam War. And when his plane was shot down over Vietnam, he <clears throat> parachuted into a little village and was immediately attacked, stripped, naked, and imprisoned. For the next seven years, he endured brutal treatment in the hands of the North, the North Vietnamese Army. His food was... Um, little more than a bowl of rotting soup with a glob of pig fat on it, skin, hair, and all. Rats the size of cats and spiders the size of hens would be all around him. He was frequently cold, alone, and often during those seven years, tortured. Not a month would go by without his being tortured for seven years years. He was sometimes shackled in excruciating positions and left for days in his own waste with carnivorous insects boring through the woozing wounds that had been inflicted on him. How did he keep his sanity? Because so many POWs just before they even they lost their lives, they lost their minds. And that's what those, those camps were designed to do. This is what he says. He says, It took prison to show me how empty life was without God. And so I had to go back in my memory to those Sunday school days in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If I couldn't have a Bible and hymn book, I would try to rebuild them in my mind. I tried desperately to recall snatches of scripture, sermons, gospel choruses from childhood, and hymns we sang in church. How I struggled to recall those scriptures and hymns. I had spent my first 18 years in Sunday school, and I was amazed at how much I could recall. Regrettably, he says, I had not seen them 
I had not seen then the importance of memorizing verses from the Bible. Now, when I needed them, it was too late. I never dreamed that I would spend almost seven years in prison in North Vietnam or that thinking about one memorized verse could have, had the whole, could, could have made the whole day bearable. One portion of a verse I did remember was, Thy word have I hid in my heart. How often, Rutledge says, how often I wish I had really worked to hide God's word in my heart. But even then, in God's great mercy, even the little bit he could remember carried him through seven years because he had at least that much treasured in his heart. And guys, girls, I don't think you ever meet a godly person who will say at the end of their life that they regretted taking time to memorize the scriptures. You're not going to find that. Memorizing scripture is not for the purpose of showing off, but for shielding us from sin that we might not sin against God. It is the best thing hidden in the place for the best purpose of purposes. Memorizing scripture is hiding the best thing in the best place for the best purpose. The best thing, your word, the word of the Lord, hidden the best place in my heart for the best purpose that I might not sin against you. Remember what sin is, right? Sin is any lack of conformity to the Word of God or transgression of the Word of God. So if you don't know the Word of God, you won't be able to realize that you are sinning and repent and experience the Lord's forgiveness. So we grow in purity. How do we cleanse our ways? By memorizing the Word of God. Thirdly, but and we're picking up the pace, so... There is hope. We're coming to the end. Uh, thirdly, we grow in purity by praising and prizing more teaching. Look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. There's a desire for more teaching. There's this prizing for teaching. He praises the Lord for what he knows, and he prizes more teaching from the Lord. James Boyce, in his commentary on the psalm, says, Although the psalmist was very mature, he was always aware of the fact that he had not arrived. He must keep on learning God's righteous judgments. And as he does, praise directed to the master teacher will consistently flow through his lips from an undivided heart. So praise and prize teaching. Fourthly, in verse 13, we grow and we cleanse our ways by speaking the word of God to others. Look at verse 13. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. You can't help but to talk about what you love. You can't help but to talk about what you love. Is there any doubt in your minds that Scott Hollander loves Semitic languages? <laughs> Right? He, he, he loves it, and, he, and it's great. You can see the passion, and he talks about it. And sometimes, if, if, if we, it, what would be boring if you're there studying on your own, when he speaks with the passion he has for it, it becomes lively and, and interesting because he's speaking about what he loves. So you can't help but talk about what you love, and neither can the psalmist help 
talking about the scriptures because he loves them. And that should be the case for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. The best way for most people to remember something is to vocalize it. Does it make sense to you? Say names throughout conversation. And if you're talking to somebody, they keep on repeating your name in that conversation. It usually means they're trying to cement in their memory uh, uh, so that, that they can remember later on. Or repeating things out loud uh, is another way to help you remember. So why not spend time after sermons or after Bible study talking about some of the things you have just heard? Something that impacted you, something you would like to think about more. How about doing that? Instead of talking about everything else except God's Word right after our services and Bible study. Because as we speak the Word of God to one another, we grow in holiness. The man of God in this psalm is also seeking, so he's seeking to, to memorize, he's seeking God, he's memorizing, he's praising, he's speaking, and then in verse 14, his heart is moved to rejoice because he considers the word of God precious. Look at verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimony as much as in all the riches. Have you ever found yourself reading something and just in the Bible and just rejoicing of something that you just found out? Perhaps you read through that book several times in your life, and now you read it again, and all of a sudden something pops up, and the Lord has brought something new to you. Not new revelation, but a new illumination by the, by the Spirit, and you rejoice because you've seen that new thing. That, we, we, we cultivate that in, as we grow in holiness. And the last two, so rejoice is number five, six and seven, for following verses 15 and 16, we grow in holiness by meditating on the Word of God and by delighting in the Word of God. You see that in verses 15 and 16. We won't spend much time on the subject of meditation today because uh, the psalm is going to repeat it seven times throughout the psalm. So we're going to revisit it uh, again six more times in, in the psalm. But for today, I just want to point out the connection between meditating and delighting in these two verses. Look at verse six, uh, 15. I'll meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I'll delight myself in your statutes. I'll not forget your word. Meditating and delighting are really close together. Remember how I told you this morning that Psalm 119 is an exposition of what psalm? Verse, uh, psalm 1. In Psalm 1, the psalmist says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. Delight and meditation. Hand in, in hand. The key to abiding in God's word is delighting in God's word. So you, you're not going to re- remain in it if you don't delight in it. There's a connection between what you delight in and what we meditate on. In fact, you can't help but to think about and meditate on what you delight in the most. Whatever it is that you delight the most, you spend time thinking about that, examining it, turning it around, thinking of different ways about it. To use an illustration, does anybody here doubt that Nick loves trains? Nick Newton. Right? And he talks about it, and he thinks about it, and he considers different ways. Uh, uh, we were, and, and maybe he was just pulling my chain, just kind of speaking with authority, that, uh, and he didn't know what he was talking about. It seemed like he knew it. We were standing at the hunter's house by the fire pit, and we hear a train going by. And Nick goes, yeah, I think that train is going to the port because it's empty. 
something like that. Only somebody who really knows his stuff is meditating upon it, delights in it, can know stuff like that. Or else somebody who can really say things with a straight face. <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. But we see that with the Word of God as well. We, we, if, we, if we delight in it, we're going to be thinking about it to the point that we can, with our eyes closed, figure out what's going on in, in, in that passage. And in verse 16... Delight, when it says, I will delight myself in your section. Do you notice the reflexive nature? I'll delight myself in the Word of God, or even seek my pleasure in the Word of God. And here is where the pursuit of happiness that we saw in the first section finds fruition in God and His Word alone. It says, I'll find my joy in, or perhaps better to I make myself happy in, the Word of God as one way in which we cleanse our, our, our lives, live a life of purity and holiness. This is not just a nice thing the psalmist pledges here, that, it, that we should say good for him or move on. This delight is not an optional icing on the cake. It is actually commended. Do you understand that all of us are commended to delight in God and to delight in His Word? Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. It's a command. We don't have a choice, and we do that. As we do that, and we delight in the Word of God, and the God of the Word, we grow in holiness. So, if we're going to have regard to God's ways, if we are going not to forget God's Word, we are going to have to be striving with all our heart for our spiritual life to obey this, the Word of God and the things He says in His Word, and to follow what verses 10 through 16 have patterned for us in the Word. Seeking God in it, treasuring, memorizing it, praising and prizing it, speaking it, rejoicing it, meditating on it, delighting in it. Our spiritual health depends upon it. So how is a young man or any person to keep his way pure from sin? Well, by living according to God's Word, by loving God's Word, by learning from God's Word, by longing for God's Word, in a word, by treasuring God's Word and the Word and, and the God of the Word. And that's how we cleanse our ways. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your Word. We thank you for this portion of Psalm 119. We pray that we would indeed, that we would indeed Take heed according to your word in all of our lives. For asking in Jesus' name, amen.